Hello, church family. Welcome back to worship. It's so good to see you again. I hope that you are doing well. Uh, before we get started in worship, just want to mention a few points of interest for you. First of all, I want to mention that uh, on our website, we made one slight change just because we got tired of seeing the word COVID-19. I bet you're feeling the same way. If you go to our webpage, our main webpage, norrisferrychurch.org, We've been putting all the helpful information you need at one place, and it's at the tab up here, and now that tab is called At Home. It's the At Home tab because you're continuing to worship. We are continuing to meet as a church, just not in our building. We're now meeting as the church scattered at our homes, and so this is where we're going to put all the information you need to continue to worship, to disciple your families, to, to grow your own personal life, and continue to follow the Lord. And again, very important resource there is if you need help and you want prayer go to that tab and you'll see a place to request help so we wanted to make you aware of that change it's called at home tab now now i'm really excited to announce i hate to do it online but that's the day we live in but i'm excited to announce that we have hired a new student minister uh, we are excited about him his name is jake his wife's name is rachel and his little son their little son's name is jackson uh, he's coming from North Carolina, and so he's coming all the way across the country. Now, our our goal was to have him, as of right now, our goal is to have him begin May 1st. Uh, with all that's going on, we'll see how that goes. But uh, we're really excited, but we want to uh, help you get to know him even now. You can go on our staff webpage. If you go to uh, our our webpage, you can find a place for staff to click that, and you can see a little brief bio and a picture of he and his, his beautiful wife and child. So uh, be in prayer for Jake and Rachel and Jackson during this time. Uh, I cannot imagine trying to find a home in Shreveport while living in North Carolina and being able to make a transition during this time. So certainly they will be great, very grateful to have your prayer during this time. So just be uh, faithful and pray for them to have a nice, smooth transition. Really looking forward to you getting to know them. Incredibly wonderful family. And uh, we're excited about what the Lord has in store for our student ministry going forward. Uh, finally, I want to mention something that we'll remind you at the end of the service today as well. We are going to have a prayer meeting tonight at Six o'clock, it's going to be on our Facebook page, our Norris Ferry Church Facebook page. We'll get the link out to you, but it'll be live. It'll be a Facebook live event. It'll last for one hour, and all the staff are going to lead through a time of prayer. We're going to have a little singing and a lot of prayer, and we're going to read scripture, pray through a theme, like praying for medical personnel for a season, praying for your prayer requests that you've let us know about and the different struggles that we have during this season. We're going to give you a chance to be interactive with it on Facebook Live. We're going to ask you to tag your friends so that they will know they're being prayed for as you pray for them during your time of prayer. It's going to be a cool cool event, but it's going to be a kind of a throwback with modern technology, a good old-fashioned prayer service. So we want to encourage you to do that. I did something this week. I, I uh, went on Facebook and I just said, tell me what your 
learning about yourself. Tell me what you're going through during this time. And I had a tremendous response of people sharing very transparently what they're going through. And I just kept telling them, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. And it just, it just encouraged me to think, man, people really need prayer during this time. And interacting like that is going to be a great experience. So be sure tonight at about 5.55, go ahead and log on to the Facebook Live that we put out there. And at 6 o'clock promptly, we'll get started with our prayer service. So looking forward to that tonight. Let's all want to begin with, so now I'm going to ask Kevin. He's going to come and begin our time of worship together. Good morning, church. Today is Palm Sunday, which is the beginning of Holy Week, the week leading up to Christ's crucifixion and Christ's resurrection. So the passage I'd like to read this morning is Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there, or you can follow along on the screen. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. In this passage, we see the crowds welcomed Jesus on the way to Jerusalem with cloaks and with palm branches as one would a king. But this king is different. This king came riding on a donkey. And this king was making his way to Jerusalem where he would soon suffer and die on the cross. He was fulfilling his role as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As John the Baptist proclaimed, God in his love for you and me provided us with a lamb, a sacrifice once and for all, paying the debt that you and I owed carrying every sin that we would ever commit. But here we see that God didn't just give us a lamb, but he gave us a king, a king to rule over us, a king to be Lord of all. And today on this Palm Sunday, for the next few moments, let's thank God that Jesus is not only our sacrificial lamb, but also our king. And just like the crowd, let's lay our lives down before Jesus and rejoice and shout that he is alive, he is king, he will return and restore his people. 
All praise and glory and honor go to him. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we will take the next few minutes and lay our lives down before your son, Jesus. Father, he gave up his life. He emptied it out for us so that we could have life and have it abundantly. Father, I pray that we will make Jesus Lord of our lives. We will make you king in our lives and in every moment, even in a world filled with chaos and uncertainty, may we shout your praise and trust your plan in our lives. In your holy name I pray, amen. Hey church, I wanna teach you a new song today. I think we're all in need of a little something new. It says this in Galatians 2.20, that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. We're going to sing about being crucified with Christ and the hope we have in his resurrection. Let's sing this together.
crucified with Christ and that now Father as we live our life by faith we live it through Jesus Christ God thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus thank you for your love mercy your forgiveness thank you for Jesus it's in his name we pray amen what a great time of worship and what a great reminder of the fact that we live by faith and we look forward to the day that Christ returns and all of his glorious promises uh, come to a full reality in our lives. Today we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verses 34 through 49. Uh, in these verses, Paul is addressing some people who are having a hard time 
believing in the, the bodily resurrection, either the bodily res- resurrection of Jesus Christ or the promise that those who follow Christ will have the bodily resurrection one day as well. You know, when, with all this going on in our lives right now with the coronavirus and uh, the sickness and disease that has literally taken the world uh, by storm, I, I think all of us must admit that we're acutely aware of our own weaknesses and our own frailties and our own humanity. That it, it, It's oftentimes the fear of death that is what grips us, if we're honest. And we're in the Easter season, the season where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so it's the perfect time to be studying this material where Paul is talking to people in Corinth and they've got questions that are holding them back from believing. And I wonder if that's where you are today. Maybe you want to believe in this hope of the resurrection, but there's just something holding you back. There's some obstacles to to faith. Well, I, I pray that our time together will answer those questions for you and, and at least give you the idea of maybe this is true, that so you could have this hope that goes beyond the grave. Paul is addressing their questions and that he knows that they're thinking. In verse 35, he says, But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? And Paul's trying to address these questions that are keeping people from enjoying this hope that's found in the resurrection. And so he's going to give us three analogies today that are just analogies of things that we are familiar with to help us go, okay, well, maybe that, if that's true, then maybe this really is true, that one day my body will be resurrected. And so I pray today as we look at these analogies that that God will give you faith. Father God, I pray that you'll give us faith, you'll strengthen our faith, give us hope and confidence that there is a future bodily resurrection coming like we saw you experience in your resurrection from the grave. And I pray that you will strengthen all who hear this message this morning. And it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. So Paul's going to work through three analogies to help us have faith that the resurrection of our bodies really is coming and to get excited about that and find hope and confidence in that. The first analogy is what I'm calling the seed analogy. He says this in verse 36. He says, you foolish person. He's talking to farmers who are agriculturally minded. He says, what you sow, what you place in the ground, the seeds that you sow, does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps a wheat or some other grain. Then he says in verse 38, but God gives it a body as he has chosen to each kind of seed its own body. So let's work through these verses. First of all, in verse 36, look what Paul says. He says, you foolish person. Now that sounds harsh. And it's not quite the way we use the word foolish. What Paul is saying is that in biblical understanding of that word, it means that you're not accounting for God in the equation. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. 
And so what Paul is saying that as you think about and you want to believe this idea of a bodily resurrection, he says you've got to consider the fact that God is in the equation. You can't just think human level things that we understand easily. He's saying God is the one who will grant this body. And then in verse 37, he's using the seed analogy to make his point. Look at verse 37. He says, and what you sow, referring to the seed that is planted in the ground, he says, is not the body that is to be. So the yellow kernel of corn has a shell of, of uh, a casing around it. It's a very humble, lowly, weak body that is planted. It's not the body that is going to be. What is the body that that corn is going to be. It, that body is a beautiful green stalk filled with uh, of corn all over it. It's a bountiful, glorious body. And so he says, when you start out as a seed, it doesn't have the body that is the future body that it's going to have. It's just a bare kernel, of perhaps of wheat or in our illustration of grain. And then look what he says in verse 38. He says, but God gives it a body. He's talking about the stalk that comes out of that one little kernel of corn. He says it starts out not with the body that it's going to have, but as it's planted in the ground, it, God gives it this incredible, glorious body as he has chosen. And he talks about each kind of its seed, its own body. And so Paul is using the analogy of the seed, the analogy of something they're very familiar with, to say, I want you to believe in this. I want you to know there's a future body that's coming to you. And like the seed, it is much different. It starts out very humble and very weak, but it becomes this glorious body. And so I want you to think about this. During these days where you feel frail and weak and vulnerable, and, and you're acutely aware, as all of us are, of the fact that we're not in control of our bodies. We, we're not in control of everything. That we are, uh, it, it's up to God to a large extent beyond things that we can fully understand or explain. But he has promised us some things. There's a future body coming. But now we're in a very frail, weak body like that kernel of corn. But the good news is God has promised a future glorious resurrected body. When he talks about our bodies, he's going to use the analogy of earthly bodies and heavenly bodies in verse 39. Now we're looking at the bodies analogy. This is Paul's second analogy. And his point here is what starts out very humble will become something very glorious. And look what he says in verse 39. He says, for not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans another for animals, and another for birds, and another for fish. But there are heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. And then he says the, the earthly bodies, or the glory of the heavenly bodies is of one kind, but the glory of the earthly bodies is another kind. There is one glory of the sun, Another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So what is Paul doing in this second analogy, this body's analogy? Paul is saying that this earthly body has its own glory. Just like we see in the birds and the fish and the animals, 
there's, there's a glory about that, and especially in human bodies, that on this earth, God's glory is revealed through his creation. We enjoy creation. We enjoy the fish, especially right now. They're biting, and, and I think I've seen pictures of many of you who are enjoying doing some social isolation on the lake, fishing and catching fish. Or we enjoy the animals, the birds, and we see the glory of God in that. And the Bible teaches us that even in these lowly, earthly, weak bodies, we are imaging forth God's glory. And so we're not dismissive of these bodies. We are to use our bodies on this earth to bring glory to God. But in times where we're feeling weak, and we know these bodies are not what we wish they would be, they're falling apart, we can find joy in the promise that this is not all there is. There is a future, glorious, resurrected body. And that's where he goes in this analogy to the comparing the animal bodies or the human bodies to the heavenly bodies. In the analogy, he's talking about the moon, the stars. You can look up and you can see those. He's saying just like those are so glorious compared to the bodies on this earth. He says that's the way it's going to be with your resurrected body. When you're tired and frail and or sick or afraid of getting sick, turn your eyes to the promises of God and realize there is a glorious day coming that is somewhat similar in that they're both glorious bodies, but the one that we have come in the body that God promises is beyond comparison in glory. And so we can apply this to the resurrection, and he does so in verse 42. Look what Paul says in verse 42. He says, that's the way it is with the resurrection of the dead. Again, using this seed analogy, he says, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but is raised a spiritual body. And then he just states it as fact. If there's a natural body, then there is a spiritual body. As much as you know about your natural body and its limitations, be as certain that there is a spiritual body that's coming that is glorious. And notice what he said in verse 43. He uses the word sown in these verses. That's what a, a farmer does to sow the seed. What is the act of sowing? It is the act of placing the body in the ground. Burying the body in the dirt. Clearly this is an allusion to our own death and our own burial. And so as we live in a time where the fear of death is at heightened levels, Paul is hitting us right at our place of need. He's saying, I want you to think differently about it. I want you to think about it like the seed. That when the, the body of that kernel of corn is buried in the dirt... That's not the depressing end of all hope. That is just the beginning of a glorious transformation. That the death of that body makes way for the life, the transformation into a glorious body of the stalk of corn. That's the same way it is for us 
that God gives us this physical body to begin with, and it's corrupted by sin, it's weakened because of sin. Man, we know this, the older we get, this becomes a stronger reality, and it becomes more vivid in my mind, where every day I wake up with aches and pains and paying for the things I did when I was younger, jumping off of roofs and and doing different things that injured my body. And so you have back aches and your shoulder aches and you have to have surgeries and you tear muscles. And honestly, it's hard. When you're young, you're bulletproof, you can tune out for just about 30 seconds. But I'm telling you, it's coming. But those of us who are over 45 all across the city right now are saying, Amen, I understand the pain. Because your body starts to break down. And Paul certainly understood this. Paul had something, we don't know fully what it was, but we see in his writings that he had what he called a thorn in his flesh. Now, thorns in your flesh hurt. Paul had something very painful in his body that was, that was painful to him. And he prayed God to remove it, but God chose not to. But you know what Paul learned in that weakness, with that body weakness that he had? He learned that God's strength was magnified in Paul's weakness. And that's what we need to learn as well, that in our weaknesses of our flesh, when our body is breaking down, we've got to learn to turn to the Lord and find his strength and to exalt him. And that the way that we use to put pride and hope and confidence in our own bodies and our own flesh, we need to shift that to where it should have been all along to put that in God and in Christ and let him be glorious in our mind. And so we understand this idea that our body is frail and it is dying and it is humble and weak. But Paul is encouraging us to say, but there is a glorious transformation that's coming that is like the difference between the earthly animals and the glorious sun and moon and stars, that it is, they're both glorious, but oh, how much more glorious is that future bodily resurrection going to be? And notice how he describes the, the two different bodies, the, the natural earthly body versus the, the spiritual resurrected body. Basically, you can summarize it like this. He said the earthly body is three things. It's perishable. It's lowly. He called it dishonor, but that could be translated lowly. It's perishable, amen. It's lowly, amen. And it is weak, Amen. We can all relate. But he says, but the good news is for those who are in Christ, there will be a resurrected body. When your body is put in the grave, that is a, it's the beginning of a glorious transformation. And that resurrection body that we get when Christ comes back is radically different. It's the opposite of those three things. He says it will be imperishable. Whereas the body we have now is perishable, will die. He says, this one is imperishable. It will never die. It will never fail. Whereas the bodies we have now were lowly, he says, this resurrected body will be glorious. It will not be lowly. It will be glorious. It will show the glory of God. And finally, instead of being weak, that body will be powerful, filled with strength and power and energy. So, what a glorious day that we have to look forward to, that, that death is not the end. Death is just the planting, and the planting into the ground and a transitioning of our bodies to a new glorious body. 
And so we have that to look forward to. We have that to be excited about. We, we will not have the same struggles that we, that we know we all live with currently. And so that brings us to the third analogy that Paul wants to use to help us to understand. And I'm calling this the Adam-Christ analogy. The Adam-Christ analogy it begins in verse 45. He says, thus it is written. Now he's gone to Adam before and he's going there again. He says, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, now that's referring to Jesus Christ, kind of the two figure heads of, 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 our, of his illustration is the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit. And he's going to compare the two. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. So he's talking about the order that your natural body comes first, but then the spiritual body in Christ comes after that. Verse 47, he's talking about Adam. He says, the first man was from the earth, a man of dust, but the second man was from heaven talking about Christ. And then he says, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. That we who are in Adam, our first bodies are of Adam, they are from the dust, and they will return to the dust. They're mere, mortal, weak, lowly, perishable bodies, even though they do bring glory to God. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, those who are in Christ, so also are those who are heaven. We will bear his likeness as well. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So again, he's going to things that we are familiar with. He says, now you completely relate to Adam and his weakness and his death and his frailties and the fact that his body, that he died and you know you will die. He says, as certain as you are about that, you shared those characteristics of the first Adam. He says, be that certain about the characteristics of the second Adam of Christ. Adam came from dust, but Christ came from heaven. You shared a, a, a body that was one of earthly bodies, but you will share in a heavenly body if you are trusting in Christ. And so he says, be encouraged by this. Look forward to this greater glorious body that you will enjoy at the resurrection when Christ returns. What will that body be like? Well, I just did a little research Systematic Theology, Wayne Grudem wrote, kind of collects some different verses and puts together a summary statement. So I just want to talk about three aspects of that future resurrected body to encourage you. This is what we have to look forward to. First of all, he said, we, we see in the scriptures, it will be glorious. The scripture says, actually seems to indicate that that, that glorious body will, will shine forth the glory of God. I, I have a hard time even wrapping my head around that. I'm like, literally, it seems to be there will be a sense of glow or shining from the bodies that we have when we were resurrected. And we see a couple of examples in the scriptures. We see that Moses, when he met and at the presence of God and beheld the glory of God, when he came away, they, they were saying, man, you're shining. In fact, they covered the shine on him, the glory that was shining forth from him from being just in the presence 
of the glory of God. That's what it's going to be like. And we see this in the transfiguration in the New Testament when Christ was at the transfiguration. We see the shining of the glory of God. And so I guess this means we won't need any more skincare products because our skin will shine forth gloriously. But there is something glorious about this idea. The new heavenly resurrected body will shine forth the glory of God. We also see the second aspect of the new glorious bodies is strength. Strength or health or vigor it, it, or energy. And I, I, if you're like me, man, that, that in alone is what it's all about. Energy. Do you have the energy you wish you had? What happens to us at 3 o'clock, man? Something happens. We just hit that brick wall. And for us, it's a constant battle of having enough energy, whether it's consuming way too much coffee or the younger generation pounding the energy drinks. And we have to work and exercise to keep our energy levels up. In the new glorious resurrected bodies, we will have strength and energy and health and vigor. We won't have to fight to have the energy to do what God's called us to do. He will be our strength. He will be our health. In a time right now that it's just we're acutely aware, what a glorious promise that we will not have to worry about illness or our bodies breaking down or disease or virus or cancer or shoulder surgeries or anything else we can look forward to a day where our bodies are whole and complete and strong and energetic so glorious they'll be strong finally they'll be spiritual now that's a little confusing because it sounds like wait it's not a physical body it is a physical resurrected physical body but it's a spiritual body in the sense that we will have we will be completely controlled by the spirit of god the, the Spirit of God will guide us and lead us perfectly. There will be no sin or anything to hinder the full control of the Spirit of God in our lives so that we will perfectly reflect His glory back to Him because we will live perfectly by faith without any hesitation. And if you've ever been in a place in your life where you truly were walking with the Lord and living by faith and God was so real and you were obeying Him and you just experienced that joy, that glory of walking step by step, hand in hand with Jesus and knowing you were doing the will of God and there was nothing more wonderful than that. That's every day. That's completely the new existence that we experience in the new resurrected body when Christ returns. The simplest way to think about it is to look at Jesus. You want to know what the resurrection, the resurrected body is going to look like or be like? Look at Jesus and the resurrected body. 1 John 3, 2 says this. When Jesus appears, we shall be like him. We're going to be like Jesus. Finally, the process is finished. We are glorified what we've been experiencing just gradually in this life on the earth with all of its struggles and might. We've been trying more and more. God's been making us into his image. On that day, he finishes it. He rids us of all the effects of sin and he gives us 
a new body, our bodies finally match our spiritual condition where they are both completely holy and righteous and glorious by the work of God. That's what's coming. That's what we hope for. That's not hope in the sense, I don't know if it's true, but hope in the sense that we find hope because we are confident about these realities. We may not be able to fully explain it, just like we can't fully explain how does the life come out of that seed of the corn kernel and turn into this stalk, this beautiful stalk. We can't fully explain that. We can describe it. We can put scientific terms to it and call it germination and we know the shoots come out and we know there has to be certain elements of sun and water in the soil, but we don't really understand how it works. But we know it's true. And just like we see there's, there's glory about the fish and the birds and the animals and our own bodies, but man, you look at, you go in to see a dark night, just the stars that are just scattered all over the dark backdrop like glitter and you just go wow that's a whole nother level of glory that's what we need to know is coming it god promises you this is not all there is let every weakness every moment of temptation to fear just be like paul did let that be a time where you turn and rely on the strength of god in your weakness. And that's the way you know God will use all of this for great good in your life. My prayer is that you have faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ this season. And during these times, after hearing this message, if you want to talk to us and you want us to pray with you, go onto our website, click the at home tab, and, and request prayer. There's a button to say, you know, request prayer or request help. And, and we'll get that email and we'll reach out to you and we'll walk with you and talk with you and, and do what we can to help you come to know Christ as Savior or to help you have your faith strengthened by the word of God and the promises that God has in his word for you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word which promises realities that, that are so beyond our complete understanding. We thank you that you came and died on the cross to take the penalty that we deserved for our sin, but you took them upon yourself. You became the sacrifice that God demanded for us. And Lord, we thank you that when you were buried, you didn't stay in the grave, but you rose from the grave. And you rose with a resurrected body that gives us hope of the future for our own lives as we are weak and frail and, and easily discouraged in this life and these bodies Lord we are encouraged this morning to look forward to the glorious day that that we receive our resurrected body we are encouraged that like the seed the life in that kernel doesn't end it just begins an immediate transition from the old body to the new body but the life never ceases and so it is with your children our life never ceases because the scriptures tell us that to be absent from this body is to be present with Christ and then one day we get that glorious new body that you promise us. Lord, let it be. 
We look forward to that day, Lord. Encourage faith in our hearts this morning. Bring people to salvation all over in this time. Bring glory and honor to your own name, for you are God Almighty. And we praise you. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.
wanted to give you all a few announcements that you can be looking forward to that tonight if you were in connection group then we're going to resume that and so that will be a zoom meeting you'll be getting an email sent out from kevin for an invite to that and so we look forward to continuing that process with you guys virtually also you can be looking for our live facebook prayer meeting tonight at six o'clock and so join us online on our facebook page and we'll be joining together in prayer and praying through some specific topics. And so you won't want to miss that. And uh, also, you can be looking for some special announcements about how to make Easter special and our special service that we're going to have. And there will be a, a few different announcements for that. And so be looking forward to that communication. We long for the day when we get to meet together again with you. And uh, we look forward to what the Lord's doing in your family, in your life during this time. Y'all have a great week in the Lord.